Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. Take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to the book of Romans, chapter 8. We're going to read verses 1 through 8, and I want to talk to you today about Pentecost, a new way of life. We started this series of messages last week when we uh, talked about... uh, how God revealed Himself, and today I want to talk to you about how God revealed Himself in the Old Testament uh, to believers in the Old Testament through the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. What the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. The the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is empty against God, for it's not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Verse 9 goes on to say, but you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. When we read those scriptures today, we recognize that Paul is talking about a new way of life that comes to every believer because of what happened on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after the resurrection and the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. I want to talk to you this morning about what that means to us, how God revealed Himself to Old Testament believers. Last week, we compared the uh, differences and the similarities between the giving of the law and the giving of the Holy Spirit. Today, I want to talk to you about what happened when God revealed Himself to believers in the Old Testament. Some would say, well, what difference does it make? Why does it matter? Is it really important to us? Well, in order to answer that question, you have to see the full picture. You have to know the end from the beginning and vice versa. Reminds me of the lady who had to go to the doctor and when she called to make the appointment, she wasn't able to see the regular physician that she normally saw. So they put her with a brand new doctor. She went in and sat down. She'd been in the consultation room maybe four minutes, and she came out running, screaming at the top of her lungs. One of the older doctors caught her in the hallway and said, ma'am, what's the matter? And she told him her story. So he had her go sit in her, his office and told her just to relax. And then he marched down to where that younger doctor was at. He said, what in the world is the matter with you? Why did you tell Mrs. Jones, who's 63 years old, she has two children, five grandchildren. Why did you tell her she was pregnant? Without even looking up from writing on his chart, the young doctor said, does she still have the hiccups? Sometimes. Now that's a lot funnier than you guys are responding. That's hilarious. You have to know the end from the beginning. You have to understand the whole story in order to get the true picture. So I think when we talk about the whole story of how God revealed Himself to Old Testament believers, it will make a difference in our understanding. 
Because the Old Testament believers experienced the Holy Spirit in many similar ways that you and I do today. Now we know that Pentecost was a Jewish festival. It happened 50 days after Passover. Jesus was crucified at Passover. And then what he promised, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in John chapter 15, verse 26, occurred on the day of Pentecost. John the Baptist even said when he saw Jesus the first time, the one who comes after me will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. That's Luke chapter 3, verse 16. So at nine o'clock on Pentecost Sunday morning, suddenly the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the way Acts chapter 2 says it, verse 1 through 4. It says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And a sound as of a mighty rushing wind appeared to them from heaven. Cloven tongues of fire set upon each one of them, and they all began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So we see that picture from Acts chapter 2. Now I want you to realize that when the Holy Spirit appeared to these New Testament believers on the day of Pentecost, He didn't appear as a breath, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes, because in the Old Testament, the word for spirit was ruach, which means breath. But in the New Testament, He didn't appear as a breath, He appeared as a mighty rushing wind. That's significant, you need to remember it as we walk through this message and the implications it has for you and I. So what happened on the day of Pentecost, nine o'clock in the morning, they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says a mighty rushing wind filled the house where they were sitting, cloven tongues of fire set upon each one of them. They all begin to speak in a tongue they had never learned and magnify God. And then something happened on the outside. There were Jews from every region and every area of the country there in Jerusalem that day because of the Feast of Pentecost. And they heard these men and women speaking in tongues that they knew they had never learned, languages they had never mastered or conquered. And their first thought was, these guys must be drunk. So Peter stood up that day on the day of Pentecost outside of that upper room, which was just adjacent to the Temple Mount, and he began to tell them what was happening. And he began to prophesy and proclaim to them in Acts chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days it shall be, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall see visions. Your, old men, your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. So in that period of time, Peter stood and said, hey, what we've been looking for, what we've been prophesied about, what we're hoping for has now come to pass. We are now entering that period of time the Bible calls the last days. And for the first time in history, Peter preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. He preached that Jesus came and lived a sinless life, that he died on the cross for the sin of all mankind, that he rose again on the third day, and that he ascended now to the right hand of the Father. He began to declare the plan of God to men and women. And he said, this period of time, From the day of Pentecost forward, including you and me, from this period of time, it would be an unparalleled, unbelievable outpouring of Holy Spirit upon all humanity. It would reach to young and to old. It would reach to slave and to free. It would reach to every generation, to every language group, to every culture, to every color or creed would be touched by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he went on to say, in this age, in this time, 
People who are born of God by the Spirit are now indwelled with the Spirit, baptized by that same Spirit, filled with that same Spirit, and empowered by the Spirit to be witnesses to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Peter declared from this day forward, we are living in the days of Isaiah 44, 3. It says, for I will pour out on him who is thirsty, floods on the dry ground. I'll pour out my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. Peter declared, we're living in Ezekiel eleven nineteen, where the prophet said, I will give them one heart. I will pour out a new spirit on them and take the stony heart out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. He said, we're living in Ezekiel 39, 29, and I will not hide my face from them anymore, for I shall have poured out my spirit on the house of Israel, says the Lord God. Peter went on to say, we're living in Joel 2, 28, and it shall come to pass afterward. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And on my men's servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in that day. Listen to me, friend. This was a turning point in human history when Holy Spirit from the living God was poured out upon all humanity. To anyone who's hungry, to anyone who's thirsty, to anyone who desires, God says, come and drink from the waters of life through the Holy Spirit of the living God. No one has to be excluded by race, by color, by religion, by creed. No one is excluded by age or financial economical status. But the Spirit of God came to touch all mankind in every generation until Jesus Christ comes again. You and I are a part of that promise today. You and I are a promise that day in that generation. We're a part of what Peter declared. So we understand that we're living in the day. When the Holy Spirit has been poured out worldwide for all men to receive. Let me illustrate it this way. How many of you know what the Hoover Dam is? Most of us probably do. It's a dam built on the Colorado between 1931 to 1936 on the Colorado River, right at the border between Nevada and Colorado. Now, before the dam was built, the Colorado River provided water for cities downriver to drink from, provided water for irrigation to the farmers in that area. After the dam was built, the Colorado River did the same thing. It still provided water for cities to use. It provided water for irrigation to farmers. But one thing happened that made it completely different from that moment forward. Once that dam was built, there were 17 hydroelectric generators installed in it. And those 17 generators had the capacity of generating enough electricity to light 1.7 million homes every single day. Every day. So it was the same river. It was the same water. Everything looked and appeared the same. But the difference is after the dam was built, there was suddenly great power flowing from that place. Here's the illustration, the application. Before the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, He was there to bring refreshing. He was there to bring life. He was there to bring guidance and direction to those who believed in the true God. 
But when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, not only did he still refresh and renew and bring guidance and direction, but suddenly there was an infusion of God's power into the lives of God's people that allowed them to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Suddenly, those people became that city set upon a hill whose light could not be hidden, whose light could not be stifled, whose witness could not be silent. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. None of the benefits were taken away from the days prior to Pentecost, but rather it was emphasized, it was added to by the power of the Holy Spirit. So let me ask you again, why are the experiences, the illustrations, the examples of the Old Testament saints important to you and I today? Why should we even care what the Scripture says about Holy Spirit Prior to, may I use the expression, the dam being opened and power beginning to flow into believers' lives. Why is it important? Because we need to understand the same God we serve and Spirit who dwells in us dwelt in them as well. And we can see things and learn lessons from them that will encourage us and strengthen us. So many times today, the church and believers around the world are so sleepy we're not even living up to the standard of Old Testament believers when it comes to the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And my prayer today is God shake us and God wake us. And next Sunday on Pentecost Sunday, infuse us with power from on high. Open the dam and let His power flow as never before in and through our lives. So very quickly this morning, I want to give you four ways that Old Testament believers experienced the Holy Spirit and His ministry in their lives. Number one, they experienced Him as their creator and the sustainer of life. Old Testament believers were conscious of God's Spirit as the creator and sustainer of this physical, natural life. You can read it in Job 33.4. One of Job's friends, Elihu, said these words, The Spirit of God has made me. The breath of the Almighty gives me life. Psalm 104, verses 29 and 30. You hide your face, they are troubled. You take away their breath, they die and return to dust. You send forth your spirit and they are created. You see, I hope that concept of God's creative abilities fills your heart and fills your mind. That you understand He made us. From the moment of conception, God by His Spirit was working in us to create us and make us the people God wants us to be. It's that worldview that allows us to value human life. It's that worldview that enables us to acknowledge and to recognize God as our sovereign creator. And that from the moment of conception, we are there to worship and to serve the King of Kings. Unfortunately, our world doesn't see things the same way. And because of that, they don't, the world doesn't have the same value on human life. I remember 25 years ago, I was in Bangladesh, preaching crusades across that Muslim nation. And I ran into a guy who was far from saved. We'd had problems with a couple of individuals trying to break up the rallies. This guy came to us and he said, I'll take care of them for you. I'll make sure they never bother you again. He said, for the equivalent of five cents of American money, he'd kill those guys. There's no value in that life. No value of life in that society. We shake our hand and say, how barbaric, how backward, how deprived. 
But can I tell you, it happens every day in the United States of America. Every day, we offer unborn children before the altar of convenience. Every day, unborn babies are sacrificed so that we can do as we will. You see, the world doesn't see an unborn baby as a baby, but as a fetus or an embryo. We can't attach importance or significance to it. But I've come to tell you this morning, there is still a Redeemer whose name is Jesus, a Creator whose name is God Almighty, who breathes life into every human being, and all life is valuable to Him. All life is important to Him. Every breath we take is a gift from God. Every moment we're awake and alive on this earth is a gift from the Almighty, the Spirit of God guides and directs. So the Old Testament saints knew him as the creator and the sustainer of life. Number two, they knew the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Old Testament believers experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit. I don't know where we get so twisted in our thinking to believe that only New Covenant believers experience the Holy Spirit. That's absolutely not true. God was there in the form of the Holy Spirit from Genesis chapter 1, when the Spirit of God hovered over the waters of the deep. You need to understand He was there. He's been there in every aspect of life, and He desires to reveal Himself to individuals. When in the Old Testament, when someone submitted himself to the law of God and pleased God, he walked in the presence of God's Spirit. Go back clear to Genesis. Walk your way all the way through uh, First and Second Chronicles, First and Second Kings. Read about how God revealed Himself to Old Testament believers. You can read about Abel, Noah, Abraham, Moses, Rahab, Ruth, Deborah, and David. Matter of fact, in First Samuel chapter sixteen, verse thirteen, when David was anointed by Samuel as the king over Israel, it says, "And the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit, the word translated there from Hebrew is ruach." The Spirit of the Lord came upon him from that day forward. From the day of his anointing until the day of his death, David knew the presence of God's Holy Spirit. He understood that and walked in it. In Numbers chapter 14, verse 24, God said to Moses, Look at my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully. I will bring him into this land. In Numbers 27, 18, the Lord said to Moses, Take the Joshua, the son of Nun, in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand upon him. Now, all you Bible scholars and historians, let me ask you, when the 12 spies went in to spy out the promised land, only two of them came back with a good report. Who were those two? It was Caleb and it was Joshua. Why did they have a good report? Because the Spirit of God was in them. They saw things through God's eyes and God's perspective. They understood it may be impossible to those ten, but if God be for us, who can be against us? Yes, there may be giants in the land, but thank you, Tom, for that song this morning. They will not defeat me because God has never lost a battle. The Spirit of God dwelled in them. I don't know why we think this is just a New Testament thing. It's certainly not just a New Testament thing. The Spirit of God dwelled in Old Testament believers. We see it again and again and again. Old Testament believers experienced the promises of God and lived in the presence of God's Spirit when they chose to follow Him in obedience to His commands. They enjoyed the constant presence of God. That's why David wrote in Psalm 139, verses 7 through 10, Where can I go from your spirit? 
Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascended into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. So not only did they enjoy the presence of the Spirit, they enjoyed the constant indwelling of the Spirit of God through every aspect of their lives. So we need to understand that what we experience today was pictured for us, foreshadowed for us in the lives of the heroes of faith. And you can read Hebrews chapter 11 and 12 and read about those heroes, heroes and what they did for the kingdom of God. So they enjoyed the indwelling presence of the Spirit. Number three, Old Testament believers had the power of the Holy Spirit working in them in order to denounce evil and declare righteousness. Old Testament believers had power to stand against all the horrible things that were happening in their nation and in their world. If you're a student of the Old Testament, you will know very quickly there were many, many times in Israel's history when they were not pleasing God and following God, when they're not worshiping the one true God. When the nations around them perverted their worship and turned them towards false gods and idols. In those times, God always raised up a man or a woman to denounce evil and declare righteousness. That's why the word says in Micah chapter 3 verse 8 these words. As for me, I am filled with power, with the spirit of the Lord and with justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. You see, a man can't risk his own life for the things of God without being filled with the power and the presence of God. A man can't be willing to give up everything for an intangible, for an unseen, without having the Holy Spirit in his life who is driving him to denounce evil and to uphold righteousness. The Spirit of God gives courage in those days and in those times. Take it to the New Testament prior to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 1 verse 15 says that John the Baptist was filled with the Spirit while he was yet in his mother's womb. And as a result, he lived a life that was far different than any other teacher, prophet, or evangelist in his day and in his time. As a matter of fact, when you read the life of John the Baptist, you'll find that he got his head chopped off. Because he spoke against the marriage that Herod had with his sister-in-law. He said how evil it was, how wrong it was. He denounced it openly and publicly and gave his life for denouncing evil and upholding righteousness. Can I say that today, in 2020, in Tallahassee, Florida, we need men and women and boys and girls who are willing to stand up, be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, denounce evil, and declare righteousness who say to our society, you think that's right, but God's word says it's wrong. And we're going to live by a standard that never changes. God's looking for men and women who will stand up and be that voice, who are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Men and women who will stand against the destruction of human life through abortion. I'm thankful for our ministry partner, the Fice Center, that every day, and Andrea works there every day, they're inserting themselves between young women who are considering abortion and giving the option of choosing life. I'm so thankful for men and women who pray outside of that abortion clinic and say, God, stop this evil. Bring it into it once for all. When I think about the evils that permeate our society, the multi-billion dollar industry of pornography, 
that affects children from a very early age, grabs their heart, grips their mind, and perverts their destinies. God, we need to stand against the evil of pornography in this day. When I think about the evils in our society, I think about the evils of alcohol that is a legalized drug, and drug addiction that is rampant in our society. God, once again, we need men and women who will be filled with the power and the courage of the Holy Spirit, who will stand against those evils and denounce evil and uplift righteousness. Listen, if I had a time this morning, I could tell you story after story after story of men and women whose wives have been destroyed by alcohol and drugs, took them places they never intended to go, caused them to do things they never imagined they could do because they were under the influence of another spirit, the spirit of darkness, the spirit of the evil one. But when you come and become under the influence of the Holy Spirit, my friend, listen to me, that evil influence is broken off of you, and God will change your life once for all. God is looking for men and women who will be influenced by the Holy Spirit so they can stand and denounce evil and uphold righteousness. And number four and last, the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament brought those who believed in the Father, believed in the Son, to a place of victory over fear. Victory over fear. God wanted to encourage people to rebuild the temple after they were coming back from 70 years in Babylonian captivity. He wanted to tell them, it's okay, don't fear. This is my will for you. So he said these words in Haggai 2, 5, work for I am with you. My spirit abides among you. Fear not. Fear not. So both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit brings the capacity for you and I to face evil and danger and the opposition to the things of God and stand in faith and not fear. Listen to me carefully, friend. What's happening in our society today should never bring fear to the child of God. We should never worry that some virus is going to destroy us. Listen, your days are numbered. My days are numbered. We need to understand we live in God's hand. Nothing's going to come into our life except it comes through the Father. Someone said to me, why do you ride a motorcycle? Aren't you afraid you're going to die? I can think of no better way to go out, to be very honest with you. Nothing would be greater to me than going out in a bike wreck. That would be wonderful. Everything over, I'm in heaven, reward accomplished, amen. The only thing I need to do before I go, I need to get a Hoka Hay tattoo right here. We all speak to my wife after service and tell her that's a good thing I should do. I'm just kidding you. You know that, right? But she is opposing that big time, big time. We need to understand that God in his spirit, when he fills us, gives us victory over fear. Victory over fear. Old Testament saints knew what we would now enjoy, that there is victory over every threat and every obstacle because we belong to God and he lives and resides in us. That's why Zechariah 4, 6 says these words. Tom, will you come back, please? It's not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Will you say that with me this morning? It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. So if you want to conquer, if you want to overcome, then allow the spirit of God to fill your life. He will give you the same power that he gave to the saints in the Old Testament to overcome fear in your daily life. 
So the Old Testament Testament believers experienced the presence of Holy Spirit. They walked in His presence. But on the day of Pentecost, there was a shift. There was a change in the atmosphere. There was a change in the plan of God. And then we didn't just have the breath of the Spirit breathing into our life. But on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit appeared as a rushing, mighty wind and filled all the house where they were sitting. God opened the dams and sent the power on the day of Pentecost. In a measure that's absolutely inconceivable prior to that day at 9 o'clock in the morning. So we read about these things. We ask ourselves, why is it important for the Old Testament believers and their example in experiencing the Spirit of God? Why is it important? Because it shows us from the beginning to today, God has a plan. And they experienced a trickle of the Holy Spirit. We experienced a mighty rushing river. We experienced all the power that comes with knowing Him in His fullness, in His glory, in His honor. You made it to the end of the message, and now what? Is God leading you to make a change? Are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ? Then we invite you to join us at All Nations Church on Sharer Road in Tallahassee, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Sunday morning service is at 10.30 and Wednesday night service at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.